Hey, it's Andrew, and I wanted to thank you for listening to the Door County Pulse podcast. Did you know that you can subscribe to the Door County Pulse podcast on Apple Podcasts or Pocket Casts or wherever you get your podcasts to have new episodes delivered to your feed twice a week on Wednesday and Friday? All you have to do is pick up your phone, navigate to your podcast app, and search for Door County or Door County Pulse podcast and click subscribe. If you're a longtime listener or if this is your first episode, we hope you enjoy the Door County Pulse podcast. All right, joining me now in the Door County Pulse pod closet is Matt Stone, who uh, has the Unlock the Door podcast. Uh, if you haven't listened to that, look for it on wherever you get podcasts, I'm assuming, right, Matt? Yeah, yeah, iTunes, Spotify, uh, follow the Facebook page, Unlock the Door, um, and you'll find all the latest episodes. All right. Well, Matt, I wanted to bring you into the podcast this week. Well, obviously, Andrew's not here this week. So. Yes, congratulations, Andrew. <laughs> and then uh, also because uh, there's a couple topics that I thought you'd have a good take on. One, we were both at the Dollar General meeting about 10 days ago in Sister Bay. And then also, you are a real estate agent, correct, with, uh, what's the agency? Shore West. Shore West. And I'm sure everybody in real estate must be talking about what's happening with the water levels yeah. in regards to shoreline properties right now. People are freaked out. And we're actually seeing, you know, in, in my office, not, a, not a, a, a past client of mine, but somebody else in our office just got a phone call where their, their basement is now just taking on all of this water. Oh, and, they, yeah. and they're having to talk about turning that into a crawl space and, and, and having to play the game of, well, it costs this much. What, can, what do you think we can sell it for? And, and people are... People are freaked out. Yeah, and anybody who was in Sister Bay last year just strolling around, you saw the water getting pumped out of the boathouse basement, the boathouse restaurant, where they were, I believe it's about 280,000 gallons of water a bit a day. It might even be more than that. And I know that Mike Dobner, the owner there, has talked about, well, do I do I just fill in my basement mm-hmm. um, rather than deal with this and, and have it ruin this foundation and have all these other costs? I talked to John Canavy, who had had that restaurant in the 80s and 90s when it was Canavy's Kitchen, and he said he was doing that for four years when the water was high in the mid-80s. So it's if it stays this high, and the latest projections from the Army Corps of Engineers say on the high end, another 15 inches next summer. I mean, in some places, we don't have those 15 inches. So right. you, I mean, everybody gets all worked up when you're when you're doing all of these, these new builds and stuff about setbacks and, and why... You know, we have to have X amount of, of room, and now everybody's so thankful for those and wishing that they <laughs> yeah. might have even even exceeded those a little bit more. Yeah. Um, when we had the low water in 2013, we had, like, all-time record lows on Lake Michigan. So it was only six years ago. And in the years leading up to that, I'd be at a lot of meetings, and you'd hear Mike Carr always sticks out in my mind. Mike Carr is a guy who has done, like, dredging and all sorts of marina and dock services, break wall services for decades. And he would say, hey, I remember in the, in the late 80s, we were talking about high water levels. You still need to plan for that. And people would be like, well, we're never getting back to that. And I might have even said that at some point. <laughs> but sure enough, here we are. And we're at that and then some. And we got lucky last summer, honestly, because there were not that many high wind events like north northwest winds. And when we saw the northwest winds the day before Thanksgiving in Ephraim, it just pummeled 
the piers pummeled Anderson Dock. Were you having any properties you had to go check out for that? Or? I mean, yeah, I there there were uh, a couple that I more more just for my own personal relief than clients calling and 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 begging me to go check out these places. But but more or less, you know, I'm concerned about about some of these places and you know what the situations are. And luckily for everything that that I looked at, there weren't any major issues. Yeah. I did see some of those pictures at Anderson Barn, and that looked. Um, Potentially problematic. And they already have the big concrete barriers up there to right. try and break up those waves. And it was just rushing over that dock. Um, anybody who walked around last summer, Sister Bay Pier, basically just under a thin layer of water. All you got a lot along. of cool pictures out there. Yeah, I got a lot of really cool walk on water, <laughs> Moses pictures or something. Yeah. Um, or I suppose Moses would have parted the water. Yep. It, yeah. Jesus walked on the water. Moses yeah. just said, screw you, water. Get out of here. I'm not deep in my Bible. <laughs> That's all right, man. I went to Catholic school for a, a, for a <laughs> lot of years. So you you come my way for those. All right. Um, but in Bailey's Harbor here at our office, we see the ebb and flow, this deluge of mud where it used to be grass. Um, it's It's going to be really interesting next summer. If we even get Forget about the 15. Let's say it's half of that. You're, you're looking at water on the roads. In Southern Door, there's a small blurb in this week's Pulse that came out this morning in the town of Gardner on Stevenson Pier Road. They've applied for $200,000 in disaster relief funds to repair that road where the water basically comes right up to the road and has undermined it and washed out some of the pavement. Ephraim, if you get another 10 inches, you know, in some of those low spots in Ephraim, are they going to have to worry about this brand new highway getting broken up again? Yeah, I, I mean, and these are all questions. It's kind of just a, a, a wait and see thing. I mean, there we can we can speculate all that we want about it now, but I mean, really, the the bed's been made, and now it's up to Mother Nature to tell us, you know, what we got to deal with. Yeah, just don't give us high northwest winds for Please. a few years, and, and we'll be all right. <laughs> and we'll be and we'll be all right. Then we'll get back to some low levels and what. And in another 30 years, we can have this conversation again. Yeah, hopefully. Because one thing that sticks out when you look at the Army Corps engineers' historical projections, there is an ebb and flow to the water levels. Mm -hmm. It goes up in early summer, generally late July, August. It starts to go down, and then it continues to drop in September, October, November, December, January, and then February. And then it comes back up in the spring. We're in an outlier right now in that it dropped a little in August. And then it's kind of flatlined in September. And then we got all this rain and now we got all that snow and it's different. It, like there are very few years in history where it has flatlined or stayed steady like this into the winter. And that's why I think the Army Corps has in, adjusted their projections. Sure. And so, so uh, and now just for, um, I mean, my, my personal knowledge too, a, a lot of this has to do also with uh, evaporation with, with how, how much the uh, ice cover there is over, over the lakes. Right. Yeah. So if we get a really cold winter, um, you're going to see water levels definitely. That's probably like the biggest in indication of what we're going to see next summer. Because if you get that ice cover, it doesn't evaporate. Right. And you, you, we're holding on to more of it. So then by next summer, it you just have that much more of a base when the rains start to come and the and the runoff comes. And then that gives you a deeper winter anyway. So the runoff from Canada and the mountains up there that goes into Superior, that comes into Lake Michigan. It's all kind of one system. It's all connected. System. Um, so that could play a big factor. If yeah. we don't have a lot of ice cover, you know, we might be on that low end of those those projections. So, I mean, personally, as somebody who likes some winter activities and hockey, broomball, and fat biking in the winter, I yeah. kind of hope we get that ice cover, but it could Ye be damaging to shoreline. Yeah, me too. I mean, it's always like a, a warm winter in theory sounds nice, but then it it's not that warm. So it's not like you can actually take full advantage of it. You you got to have that that cold and and the ice and the snow in order for us to be able to do the things we like to do up here. Yeah, without that snow, without that ice, we just have this 
gray, dreary. And I've seen a couple of those where we've had like very little snow and it's, it's just honestly it's depressing. Yeah. So get your sandbags out, get your uh, <laughs> water buckets, um, put, start building your big concrete barriers around your homes if you have shoreline property. Mm -hmm. This is one of those times where it's nice to not have nearly enough money to own shoreline property. <laughs> yeah, they don't have go. to worry about it. So <laughs> if, if you've ever been looking for that silver lining, um, we have it this year. The next thing to talk about is Dollar General. Yeah. We were both at that meeting last week, a Tuesday before Thanksgiving. I wrote it up for this week's issue of The Pulse. It's kind of a long story because, you know, there's just a lot that came out of that meeting in my mind. Um, for those unfamiliar, a uh, development company has come to Sister Bay with plans to build a, a Dollar General store that would be located by the Aurora Baker Medical Center building on Highway 42 as you come into Sister Bay. It's on the corner of Fieldcrest Road and Highway 42. They propose a 7,500 square foot building with 40 parking stalls, and it falls under general business commercial zoning for the town. So it's not, they're not asking for a rezone or a variance. It's, it would generally just be a staple approval in, to, to some degree, like nothing's a staple approval in Door County, but there's not like um, a big roadblock to this, except for one thing that came out of that meeting. And we'll talk about that in a bit. But Matt, what was your kind of general takeaway going to that meeting? And I'm not sure if you go to a lot of these meetings or anything like that, but like, what did you, what did you take away from it? No, I, I try, I, I'm trying to go to, to more of these. And especially when there's something that I do have a strong opinion about like this, I'm definitely going to go. Um, and I, you know, the first thing that I noticed was how many people like myself actually showed up. And as someone who doesn't normally go to these meetings, I don't necessarily have an idea of how many people normally show up, but <laughs> looking at the faces of the, the board members that as everybody was walking in, you know, you could tell that this was something out of the ordinary. Well, I'll tell you how many usually go to plan commission meetings. It's about zero. <laughs> <laughs> no fans in the audience. <laughs> Only if you have a, some sort of development proposal or when it's a big issue, do people show up? But otherwise right. those people, the plan commission members generally operate um, without an audience. Yeah. So that was takeaway one. And then two, which you touched on a little bit was that the people that were there representing the proposed build out was a development company. It was not dollar general at all. And one of the things that we uncovered in all of this was that dollar general themselves are never going to represent themselves up here at all until the store's here. Yeah. I think that that's the number one thing that the moment that I keep looking to is when Sage Conrad, a young business owner and, and barista up here, asks the question, are we ever going to see someone from Dollar General come to a meeting here in Sister Bay? And the answer from that development company flat out, no. No explanation. No. Well, maybe there was no bones about it. Like, they're not going to be here. They're not going to be represented and touting their bona fides. I don't know if that's how you say it. Some people say it. <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> But they're not going to vouch for themselves. And that's something that, to me, go or go ahead. You no, I mean, I think that we we have the same takeaway there. That is the 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 whole I mean, that's the whole issue is like they know that what they're doing is going to rub people the wrong way. And so as opposed to try and and smooth people over and 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 convince the public, they're just going to stay out of it. And like you said, this lot is zone B1. There is, as long as they conform to to all of the the setbacks, the codes that they need to, 
there there's a very good chance that this actually happens. Yeah. So so as uh, instead of trying to win people over, they're just going to sit back and let it happen and then deal with the repercussions. As, as their representative said, like, hey, everyone's entitled to their opinion, but we're not talking about the use of this property. We're just talking about the building ramifications and fitting the code. And as the guy said, by right, we can do this. There's nothing about whether it's good for the community, what we think we can bring to you people. It's just we're allowed to build this and that's what we want to do. And that's that is fine. It's free enterprise, and that's what zoning codes are for, is to give people guidance. But it's not something that normally happens in Door County. I've attended several hundred meetings over the years, either covering them or being on committees. A developer, even the most reviled developer, stands in front of the room and says, I want this to be a nice project. I care about this community, too. I have a home here. I want to look at something nice. I don't want to build something ugly. I want to fit in. I want to be part of the community. Even if they don't mean any of it, they, they give you those platitudes. and this is probably the first time I've ever seen one where there was really none of that. Like, nah, the, we'll let these guys fight the battle, and then after it's won, then we're going to come in. And as, and as everyone knows, like, who's ever dealt in business up here, people generally care about signs a lot up here and how gaudy or what they look like. Or In, in some villages, they even have a color swatch that you have to pick from. Right. And then when they, Denise Berto, the plan commission chair, asked them about what about signage, Oh, that's that's not us. That's another. That's a third yeah. party. They have a, there's so another layer. Yeah, exactly. So, no, we're not in charge of the sign. We're not in charge of the business. They, the people there, were simply representing the structure that was built. Which, I mean, is is worth noting that that does have some issues that they're going to have to to figure out before they can actually just go ahead and start building it. Either way. Yeah. Well, that leads me to another takeaway from that meeting was so like Wednesday night. I'm at a town of Gibraltar meeting. And it is a free-for-all. They just kind of start the meeting. There's a couple of controversial topics on the agenda. And the meeting just starts with people in the audience standing up in public comment, lambasting the board for, some of, for even putting items on the agenda. And these people not really even knowing what those agenda items really are. They haven't done the legwork to ask any questions. They just assume that the board is. So the two agenda items, I, I, I wrote them down. One was consideration of Redmond property option to purchase, and the other was consideration to begin the municipal incorporation process through to petition filing. First of all, I think those were very poorly written agenda items because they make you go, oh, they're still buying the Redmond property? Yep. And, oh, now they're going to incorporate the village to try and get around having to go to the voters to buy the Redmond property. So people read that as slipping something in. Mm -hmm. The reality is they have to consider the Redmond option to purchase because the option goes through the spring. So even though the town voted it down, that option still exists. So they have to decide whether to decline that option or keep it open. They voted 5-0 really quickly to decline it. As for the incorporation thing, you read that agenda item, it sounds like, wow, the town is going to try to incorporate into a village and they're starting the process. The reality was they had a presentation from Bruce Hill, a citizen, oh. <laughs> who had the idea okay. of incorporating and just wanted to pitch that. And the town, after he pitched it, the town just said, well, I motion that we don't pursue this at all, and everyone voted 5-0 against pursuing it. But they didn't explain any of that beforehand. None of that is explained in an agenda packet that was available. Instead, you have this go around Facebook, riles a bunch of people up. Right. People start the meeting by shouting at the board and being totally out of line, in my opinion. But the board didn't, good job, didn't do a good job of laying the groundwork and explaining themselves either. Conversely, in Sister Bay, at the Dollar General meeting, Denise Burdo laid it out very clearly from the start of how this came to them 
and how the meeting was going to run. And she said right off the bat, like, this projects of this size don't get approved at one meeting. This is going to probably take several meetings. We have a lot of questions. We as a board only became aware of this a few days ago. This is a development company who came in and bought and has an option to purchase a property and wants to build a commercial property that is allowed in our zoning. And then she, she was really clarifying that, like, no, this is not something Sister Bay went out and recruited this business. It's right. not because people generally think, like, when something gets proposed, you see it on Facebook. Oh, Door County is killing themselves. Yes. Oh, you're selling yourselves out. Like, nobody's, I don't oh, have any Sister property Bay's to sell. Sister Bay is changing. Yeah. And, it's, and no, Sister Bay is not doing anything. Sister Bay is, is following the rules and listening to a proposed business development. This right. is all good and above board. And I, I genuinely appreciated everything that that the board did and especially Denise for how she started the meeting and I was talking to you a little bit beforehand because I felt like I wanted to say something about all of this and I wasn't sure how all that worked and you and and you told me that usually that's at the the very beginning of of the meeting right yeah and the first thing that she did as she was outlining all of this was she she voted to move the public comment section till after the development's presentation, which right. I thought was incredibly valuable. At the time, it did, like I didn't know any better, so I was just kind of along for the ride. But then after seeing how all of that worked, we got to listen to what they had to say, get some of our, our questions answered, try and, and calm some of that immediate emotional overreaction. Yep. And then... After that, then we can talk about about how the the public feels. I thought everything about that meeting was, you know, as good as it could have possibly went because, I mean, as you mentioned and as Denise made it perfectly clear, what they're doing is totally by the book. Yeah. And, I mean, they're, as the, the village can scrutinize it as much as possible, but if they really want to make this happen, it looks like they're going to be able to. And what Denise, by, by setting it up that way, and then conducting, like, I would say her inquisition of, of these developers, oh, yeah. everybody in that room could see that she was not going to let them slide on anything. She was nitpicking the size of parking spaces, um, signage questions, green space questions, where's your HVAC going to go? How are you going to screen the neighbor's property? And she expressed her concern for the neighbors and, and their quality of life if this moves in. And and where trucks are going to come and go and ingress, egress. Are you too close to a property line? Um, and then her big kicker, the green space requirement. Yeah. Village Sister Bay requires 20% green space. Um, she had broken down their calculation. They, they did their calculation by including the right-of-way on both Fieldcrest Road and Highway 42, which this gets into some weeds, but basically your right-of-way goes to the middle of the road. They included that, but then they didn't include that roadway or the bike lane as impervious surface. Right. So she said, you got to recalculate that and come up with the green space because that doesn't count as green space. Mm -hmm. That's in the right of way. And she said, by, by my calculations, you need 4,800 more square feet of green space. Right. That could be like a game ender for that development at, at that property. Right. So. Yeah, uh, right. Exactly. And, and I, I thought that it was fantastic about, you know, uncovering every single stone possible here allowing the the neighbors to to speak first and and voicing their their opinions and their obvious concern for something like this but i mean i think the major takeaway from from me that 
you know, because I've had a lot of people approach me and ask about the meeting and what everything, everything's happening here. I mean, the, the fact of the matter is, if this doesn't happen at this property here, you can expect Dollar General to be looking at another plot of land here. Yep. Um, and if that one doesn't work, they're probably going to find another. The This business has done their research. They know that this is a, a viable opportunity for them. They see the vacuum that Northern Door County has as far as just like a, a low quality, just junk store. Yeah. P- people are going to shop there. I'm not going to. I know that a lot, a lot of people voice their opinions, how they'll never step foot in a place like that. But there are plenty of vacationers that will. And there are plenty of locals that will do that, too. Yeah. Yep. And this is a company that targets a certain income range. Mm-hmm. And generally, it's about twenty-five dollars to $35,000 per year annual wages, um, median wage. And Door Counties is right around thirty, dollars And that's for the county. That's including the whole county. If that's not broken down by just Sister Bay. If you broke that down by just Northern Door, you'd probably have a lot more service workers, a lot more cooks that are the lowest right. end of our average income. So it's probably lower than that in, in Northern Door County. Um, so it fits. And then you have a lot of seasonal workers who just are like, okay, cheap stuff there. I'm, I don't live here. I don't know that people don't like this place. So there is a market. On the flip side, Pomida and Shopco both came and went. Right. We've seen a lot of stores come and go. It's incumbent upon Sister Bay to make sure this, if it gets built, that it is as quality a building as possible because odds are it's going to be empty in seven or eight years. Well, but learning at that meeting, there is a 15-year lease that Dollar General will have with the builder here. And so now... But it's re- it's a 15-year lease, at least from what they've done in other places. It's a five-year. They can get out after five. Got it. Okay. Yeah, and, and that makes sense. And because obviously, if it's not working, and, and that's, you know, and that's what everybody in Door County needs to hang their hat on. This is, we are at the very beginning of this. If you don't like what's happening, continue to voice your opinion. Don't get on Facebook and curse out the the board of the, the Sister Bay. They, they're Wait, not. Are you saying that complaining on Facebook <laughs> is ineffective? Miles, I'm going to go on the record right now and say something that that might ruffle some feathers. Going on Facebook and simply whining is not the answer here. It's not. I mean, everybody is able to to share opinions so quickly. But obviously, in the the world that we live in today, people just love going on social media and picking fights. So so just have your opinions, feel strongly about them and, and go ahead and post about them. Don't stoop to the levels of some of these internet trolls and just continue to yell and, and, and actually spread disinformation because, you know, even people that had the same opinion as me about this Dollar General and not wanting it anywhere near Sister Bay, they were still saying all of these things on social media that were untrue about how the board was, was you know, working behind all of our backs and, and all of these things that just were not true. You are not helping. Yeah, I can guarantee you. I don't know if you know Marge Gressmacher or Don Howard. Not, they are not the, well. The two, um, I don't think they'll take offense to this, the oldest members of the plan commission. They've been on this stuff for 20, 30 years. Marge has been uh, a fighter for the community forever. And I do love when she goes on Facebook and goes to people, hey, take my spot. I'm 85. Right. Like, you can be on the plan commission if you have an opinion. Marge goes after everything. She she will sit there and tell people, hey, this is ugly. Do better. Drive around town. you got to do better to get past this committee. There's only so much these commissions can do. Once you set your town zoning plan, if someone adheres to it, there's 
you know, the, the door hotel for the most part adheres to it. They've gave, they, they gave him some concessions. They also nitpick so many aspects of that. So like it or not, they, they do pick these things apart as you saw last week. One of the other takeaways I had from that meeting and then comparing that to other meetings I go to is I was at the town of Gibraltar and you see a lot of old men basically speaking up and being totally disrespectful of each other, of the board, talking over of the, the board while they're trying to t- conduct business, talking so loudly that at one point on Wednesday night, I had to, I raised my voice to say like, hey, shut these people up. I can't hear what's going on. Right. And, and if I can't hear and I'm 41 and the youngest person in that room by a long shot, a lot of other people in that room can't hear what's going on either. And then for all these people who complain about millennials, the Sister Bay Dollar General meeting was, there were about 50 to 60 people in that room. I would guess 30 of them under the age of 40, mm-hmm. probably, maybe even more than that. Um, and totally respectful. Nobody talked over anybody else for that entire meeting. I, I, I don't believe. And only a couple of times, maybe when the developer was saying something back and forth. There was some small forth. back and forth at the end. I participated a little bit in it. But but again, Denise Berto quickly was just like, I don't want any back and forth between yeah. the, the, the crowd. And it was just like, you got it. We're done. Yeah, she just owned it. And everyone respected it. And the comments, even when they talked to the developer, like, hey, we understand this is what you do for a living. You got to feed your family. But you got to know, like, we don't want this here. And this is not what our community is about. Just paraphrasing what a lot of people said. But the, the point was they did it respectfully. So people can complain about the next generation. But as I go to these meetings, it's not the next generation that needs to learn something. I'd say a lot of those people, a lot of those older people at the town of Gibraltar meeting the other night should be going to the next plan commission meeting in Sister Bay and seeing how mature adults can handle a meeting and handle themselves. That's great. That I mean, it is. It, it, I was very impressed with how everybody handled themselves, especially with such an emotional issue. I mean, it's something that because yeah, people were fired up, fired up. Oh, and and rightfully so. This is this could potentially, depending on how you look at it, change the character of Northern Door County. It just absolutely could uh, just open up a can of worms that that has the potential if you're looking at it in this you know big dystopian mindset that could, you know, really be the a, a beginning of of the end for, you know, some of the quote unquote charm up here. Yeah. But I, so as as well as I do think everybody handled themselves, the those members of the board were right. And that was basically the, the last point that Christianity made. And then Denise Berto echoed was that it is wonderful to see everybody here and stepping up and making their opinions heard in such a, a a respectful manner. But if you actually care about this place as much as you, as you seem to do in, in this circumstance, there are opportunities. There are boards for you to get on. There are positions for you to, to take over. And there are a lot of these members, like you said, that have been doing it for so long. They would love to pass the torch onto somebody younger to groom them up, to get them up to speed on on some of these major issues and I know that we think it's all over our heads and that this is too big for us. You got to start somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, these people that are on these boards for the most part, these are people who they're not professional politicians. Right. They're that like they don't they didn't go and get a master's in poli sci. They're gas station owners, they are retired teachers, they are retired business owners, shop owners, bar owners who put out and and show up for their community and if you can't get on a committee, if you can't get on a board, 
you just got to attend a couple of meetings a year and just, it, it was a different type of meeting to see young people in that room. I was at all these housing committee meetings, um, public presentations on, on the housing situation in Door County. You didn't see very many younger faces. And that changes the conversation. It changes the conversation when you actually have the business owners who need the employees and you have the younger people who need the housing in that room instead of just a bunch of people who already own houses. The debate becomes, do I want this next to me or not versus what's good for our community or not? Or do we really need this or not? Or what's the cost of it? It just becomes a my backyard situation. That's not, that's not the conversation we need to have in most of these cases. And by showing up, and voicing yourself, like you change that conversation. Yeah, well, and that, and that conversation is is fine to have too, but it shouldn't be the only voice that that is being heard. It, yep. you, you can have these people that do feel adamantly, you own land up here, that's wonderful. You don't want it in your backyard, that's your opinion. But when those are the only people that are showing up, yeah. you know, then that becomes the loudest voice. Whereas if you have that That section, becomes the record. Yeah, that's, right, it, exactly. You know? And that was why, you know, myself and then some of, of the other people that, you know, that showed up to the meeting or weren't able to, but, but, you know, wanted to be there. The whole point was getting our opinion on the record and letting people know clearly how we feel about this. And that it's not just us at that point, it was less than 24 hours that there had been, you know, one of many online petitions circulating, but there were already over a thousand signatures speaking out against this development in less than 24 hours. Yeah. And, but if nobody had taken the time to show up to that meeting and, and talk about it, then it would just be another Facebook comment. Yeah. I don't mean to degrade the, the petitions and stuff, but like you said, it doesn't matter if nobody like yourself shows up at that meeting to right. voice it. It's just something out in the ether, but because showing up counts, it's as an employer, one of the things you'll say like, Hey, they, they might be half the talent, but they show up every day. Yep. And that's worth 90% of it. That's right. Um, and that's the same, same thing that goes for public participation in your community. Mm -hmm. um, a couple other uh, brass tacks takeaways from that meeting. After doing some research, a lot of people have asked, well, why don't they go in the Shopco building? The development company is not in the business of finding lease arrangements. They make their money by building buildings. So they don't have much incentive to go out and find a building for these guys' lease. They build these buildings for generally $250,000 or less with the property purchase. So they build them cheap and fast, and they're building them, you know, by the dozens around in small towns all over Wisconsin, Michigan, all over the Midwest, all over the country. And they make money by owning that building and then leasing it to Dollar General. So you can build a building and get the property for under a quarter million dollars. You start leasing it for fifty dollars to $100,000 a year, five-year lease. You get your payback and then some. They stick around you're getting major payback. There, there might be one option. If, if the village can actually get in touch with somebody from Dollar General, maybe they can convince them to lease a building. But they probably want a new building. They want to build their way with their loading docks to fit what they do. Yeah, they have their and, system. And that's probably why they want to go new. Well, I mean, so, yeah, exactly. That was a, a takeaway that, uh, uh, I guess, a realization that I had, too, in all of this. You know, why don't you use the Shopco building? Well, then how do the guys that are actually showing up and making this presentation, how do they get paid off this? They can't. And Dollar General is such a massive company. I mean, they have more brick-and-mortar locations than McDonald's and Starbucks. Yeah. I mean, it is insane 
how massive this company is, they don't care about the opinions of a of a, a small town that you know, like, well, could would you mind would you mind using using this building that we already have here? They're like, well, yeah, but we can just build one. We can just build them. We can do it easily. We've done it all over the country. Let, let's just let let us build a building. Yep. Loading yeah. dock fits our trucks. It's mm-hmm. easy in and out. It allows us to have less staff. Um, well, and that was that was something that you know immediately you're thinking new business, new jobs, but it's not exactly a a job creator here. No, you're talking three people on at any given time. Um, no more than probably eight. They said fuller part time. Eight would be the max that they were yeah. going to employ over there. And it's low wage. That's one thing I, I wonder if they're prepared for is to come into a community where minimum wage is just not going to get you somebody. Right. So they might be paying 4 to $5 more per hour than they would in another community. Um, and, you know, when you think about their products, this is one thing people are saying, too, in, in favor of it. And I get it. Like, I buy cheap stuff, too. Um, try not to. I yeah. try to spend, you know, I haven't been in a Walmart in probably 15, 20 years. Um, I try to spend every dollar I can at, like, an Ace Hardware, at a Lampert's, at Nelson's. Um, because that money stays here that, you know, I, I know that when I spend that dollar, it goes to Roger Youngworth and then he spends it down the road and then to the Nelson family and they spend it in our community. It doesn't get siphoned up to the corporate head, headquarters of Dollar General in Goodlitzville, Tennessee. But you, you know, some people, you just end up buying that at some point and you look at the prices and I, I've been there too, where you gripe like, oh, it's just, it's more expensive at X store, you know, Main Street, Nelson's or how do they charge that much? They're gouging us. And having knowing how that business works, they're not gouging. Like, if you talk to any of those people and really ask them, they can go down to Walmart and buy the products that they sell off the shelf at Walmart for less than they are able to get them to through their own wholesaler. That is what big business does to small towns is those economies of scale, a, a place like Walmart can set the price. And when you say, well, the local stores should just lower their prices, they literally can't get it for less. If they wanted to lower their prices to compete with Walmart, they would be giving you 20 cents on every candy bar, giving you 50 cents on every gallon of milk. That is how skewed it is. And so as long as we support large corporate business over our neighbors, that's what we're supporting. Like they, they actually don't have a fighting chance in that competition. And that's why you see stores like this move in and the other stores close because it's not a, a price gouging thing. It's, there's not even an option to bring it down to that level. Yeah, I mean, nobody wants to be the miser in the town. Everybody knows everybody and, and they don't want to have a, a bad reputation or feel like that they are are screwing over their their neighbors, friends, and family, but they have livelihoods too here. So it's just this is a really great wake-up call for a lot of I mean, especially us younger consumers who, you know, we are growing up in a day and age where, you know, where Amazon and and just e-commerce has become so so simple and we we have just absolutely just become addicted to the convenience and yeah. so there is this you know you have to have this this moral conversation with yourself about what you're spending your money on and as opposed to you know just getting something uh at a, at a at a Walmart or ordering it off Amazon, you can go down the street. Not, I mean, not there are some things in Door County that you just can't get. Right. You yep. you, you can't do it. So I, I I 
it would be an absolute hypocrite if if I was telling people not to order off Amazon. Yeah. But when you have the opportunity to spend some money in your community, then you at least need to to see if that makes sense. If you can find a way to swing it and think about the benefits that that has more than just saving you two bucks. Yeah, and and totally understanding that. I'm I'm fortunate to not have to pinch as much as as some in our community. Um, but if it 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 does feel good to spend a dollar more on something when you know who's getting that dollar. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, it 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 does make a difference. To some, it won't, and that's fine. Um, that's just how it's how our economy operates and and people have their own decisions to make. But I think it's good to just have that in there in your head of like, if you, if you think that one day when you're like, Oh, I I wish we had this store here. And it's like, well, it can't be here for you today because you didn't support it the other 18 years. Right. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. And if you, if you want that store to be here, then it's here right now, support it. And it's not, about spending every last dime that you have there just just go and when you can when it when you can then make that purchase there yeah and and be appreciative of it yep um matt i think we've covered everything i I (laughs) hope so man (laughs) i mean we could we could probably go a lot longer i'm sure um but once again your your podcast is unlock the door yep um what you do is you just kind of interview um people from the community a lot of our our friends in northern door yeah um it's a really good podcast people should check it out thanks um I, I just, I love some of the conversations and just like some of our friends or, or people I don't even know who pop up on that podcast and just hearing a different perspective than um, necessarily my news centered approach to this. Yeah. But you just kind of hear like regular guys and what they're doing that week. Uh, musicians, guys like Zach Hagelbotham with the County League. Uh, that was a great one. Thanks. Um, so keep up the good work on your podcast. And um, thanks for coming in and, and filling a gap for us today. Maybe we'll have you on again sometime. Thanks for having me. This was a ton of fun. And I, uh, I got to see your studio, which, um, I mean, you're putting me to shame a little bit, Miles, here. So uh, <laughs> thanks a lot. I get it. You guys are, you guys are great. But seriously, this is a, a fantastic thing that you guys do. And I'm really happy that I got to be here. All right. Thank you, Matt. Thanks. And thanks for listening. For more Door County news, interviews, and exclusive content, check us out at DoorCountyPulse.com or pick up this week's issue of the Peninsula Pulse available every Friday. Don't forget to subscribe to the Door County Pulse podcast to get new episodes delivered straight to your device twice a week. Thank you for listening to the Door County Pulse podcast.